Good morning. Good morning. If you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me, please, to Jonah chapter 2. Jonah chapter 2. As you're turning there, I'd like to pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity to be in your presence, to be with your people, to look at your word. And God, I pray today that as we read your word and as we think about it and as as we uh, listen to your Holy Spirit, God, I pray that you would just speak so intimately to us, God, and that your words wouldn't just be something that we hear with our ears or that we just play around with in our mind, God, but I pray that your words would sink down inside of our hearts, God, that we would be changed from the inside out and that we would change our world as a result. In the name of Jesus, someone say amen. 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 Woo, I'm happy to be here with you this morning, and as always, I want to Thank our pastors, Pastor Bill and Sister Peggy, for giving me the opportunity to share what God has put on my heart. And it's been several weeks uh, since I was here, but the last time that I spoke, uh, we were looking at Jonah chapter 1. And uh, so we're going to look at chapter 2 today. And the, the reason why I, I am so fixed on the book of Jonah right now is, is I think a lot of times in our Christian circles, we get so familiar with certain stories from the Bible that whenever we read them or come across them that we don't really tend to take a step back and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us in that moment. And we, we just take the, the story for what we've always been taught or from what we've always heard that it means. And, and I believe that the book of Jonah is so much deeper and so much richer. And I love that every time you read the Word of God, you can read the same verse every single day, and the Holy Spirit can teach you something new every single day from just one small portion of His Word, because His Word is alive and active. Some will say it's alive. It's alive. And so... Today, I want to look at Jonah chapter 2. We're going to kind of take the opposite of the VeggieTales approach to the story. If you'll remember, we talked about uh, Jonah chapter 1 last time. And and in Jonah chapter 1, we see that there's this guy named Jonah. He's a prophet. In other words, he's a messenger from God. And God tells Jonah to go to a city named Nineveh and to teach or to uh, announce God's judgment against that city because of their wickedness. Uh, but instead of obeying God's voice, Jonah goes the opposite direction of Nineveh. He goes down to a port called Joppa, gets, on a, gets a one-way ticket on a Mediterranean cruise to the city of Tarshish, which is the opposite direction, about as far as he could possibly conceive in his mind to go away from Nineveh. And while they're on the Mediterranean, there's a violent windstorm, so violent, in fact, that even the pagan sailors recognized that there was something supernatural going on with this storm. And so they asked one another, you know, who, who was it here that ticked off their God? Why are we in this trouble? They find out it's Jonah. Jonah gets thrown overboard. Uh, the sea becomes immediately calm. The sailors worship God, and Jonah is swallowed by a giant fish. And that's the end of chapter one. It's, it's a good story. It's a really good story. And, and uh, we brought up last time that this story, the, all four chapters of the book of Jonah, are uh, so beautifully articulated and so beautifully written that it's, it, it causes the reader to be shocked and surprised at what's going on. And I think one of the biggest shocks is we think that Jonah 
is the hero. We think he's the good guy of this story, but in fact, he's not. In fact, he's kind of, kind of messed up a little bit. And, uh, but we see here in Jonah chapter 2 that, that Jonah finally prays. All during chapter 1, we never see. Jonah never responds to God whenever God tells him to go to Nineveh. He never, he never tries to argue with God. There's, there's no prayer. There's no communication with God on Jonah's part. And even whenever he's on the boat, and the boat is threatening to break apart, and even the captain of the ship comes to Jonah, and he's like, hey, you need to pray to your God. We still don't see that Jonah ever prays, not until at least chapter 2. And uh, so today, the title of the message is Jonah and the Desperate Prayer. Jonah and the Desperate Prayer. Last week, it was Jonah and the Sleepy Heart. Today, it's Jonah and the Desperate Prayer, because I think a lot of times we get so fixated on the whale in the story that we miss everything else that's going on. So instead of the Jonah and the whale, today it's Jonah and the Desperate Prayer. There's an old story about an atheist that was walking down a trail in the woods, and he was just enjoying a little hike when he came across a bear in the middle of the trail. And it scared him, scared him so much that he cried out, God, save me! And he, heard, he hears this voice from heaven. Remember, he's an atheist. He hears this voice from heaven saying, oh, so you want to become a Christian? So the atheist thinks for a moment. He wants to outsmart God, and so he says, no, God, make the bear a Christian. And he thinks he outsmarts God by you know, if it's a Christian bear, maybe it won't eat me, right? So he said, no, God, make the bear a Christian. And, and so the bear, right as he's about to lunge and attack this man, the bear stops. He stands up. He puts his hands together, and he prays. And the bear says, Lord, I pray that you would bless this meal that I'm about to eat. I don't know if you've ever prayed a desperate prayer. You found yourself in a situation where, where you just cried out to God just almost as an instinct. But let me tell you, I, if, if, you don't, if you don't take anything else away from this message today, I want you to understand this. Even a desperate prayer is a good prayer. We need to be a people of prayer. We have a God who is a good God. He is a big God, and he has made it available to us that we can come to him whenever we have needs, that we can come to him whenever life is good, that we can come to him whenever life is bad. He's made it so that we can have fellowship with him. And part of that wonderful blessing of fellowship is that we get to communicate with our God. Just look at the, at the person you're sitting beside and say, that's good news. That's good news. So let's read Jonah's prayer, Jonah chapter 2, starting, actually I'm going to just start real quick, just the last verse of Jonah chapter 1. It says, the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. And then chapter 2 starts out like this, verse 1 says, then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. Someone say answered. Just real quick, just to throw this out there, that's a past tense. He has already answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. 
You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. And then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence, yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves, and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies, but I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. That's a good statement right there. And then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. This is a good story. It's a very good story. But again, I think we become so familiar with it that we miss a lot of what's going on. And looking at this story, a lot of people, they, they really like chapter 1 and chapter 3, and, and some will even read up into chapter 4 and enjoy it. But a lot of times people just kind of skip over chapter 2, right? Because it's, it's just telling us what he prayed while he was in the belly of the fish. But this is so good. Again, let's take a step back this morning. Let's just, for a moment, put away everything we thought we knew about the book of Jonah and look at God's Word with a fresh perspective and ask His Holy Spirit to speak to us this morning. Because the book of Jonah is more than just about disobedience and obedience to God. It's about so much more than that. And today, what the, the focus of today is the focus of prayer. We want to talk about prayer this morning. So if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Point number one, pray when you don't feel worthy. Pray when you don't feel worthy. I think a lot of times we, we would assume, and rightly so, that God would answer the prayers of a righteous person. I mean, his word says that he does, that he will. He will answer the prayers of a righteous person. I think we look at this book of of Jonah and we assume that, you know, Jonah, he's a prophet. He's a messenger of God. So, of course, God would hear his prayers and answer his prayers. But, again, let's take just a step back because I think it's important for us to remember Jonah's a pretty bad dude. He's a pretty bad guy. He's disobedient. He's hateful. He's ignoring God. He's running from God. He's rebellious. He, He... doesn't care about the people around him. He's on a boat. People are about to die, and he has no regard for their health or safety whatsoever. He gets thrown into the sea, and it's not until then that he even goes to God in prayer. This is a pretty bad dude, and I would go to say that he's even a little, you know, in my opinion anyways, a little bit worse than some people because he's claiming to love God, but he's not showing it at all with his life. And I think that that's one of the reasons most unbelievers have such a hard time coming to Christ is because they've seen people that claim to believe that don't really live like they claim they do. And here's Jonah. He's God's messenger to God's people at that time but he is messed up. 
He's making every bad decision that you possibly could. This is not a role model for your children. This is not, he is not a role model for your, your Christian character or your spiritual life whatsoever. Like, if you want to be like someone, don't be like Jonah. Like, we, we can, and, and it's not just up until he gets spit out of the fish, but in chapters three and four, things don't get better. It ends the book, and Jonah is still angry and hateful and, and mad at God and suicidal, and he's, 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 he's not the kind of guy that you would want, you know, preaching your, teaching your kids or something like that, you know? <laughs> you wouldn't want him to be your Sunday school teacher. And I'm saying all this because we need to take this fresh perspective. This story, is, it's about Jonah, yes, but it's about Jonah's relationship with God. That's what this story's about. It's about Jehovah God and a man named Jonah. So whenever we read, we, all, we should always remember that we're reading about the Lord. And here's what I think he wants to say to us today, is that we should pray even when we don't feel worthy. Because I can imagine Jonah maybe possibly the reason that he didn't pray on the ship whenever things were going bad. It's maybe because he didn't feel worthy. We know he suffered with self-hate because all through the book he says many times that he wished he could die. He just wanted to die. God, go ahead and kill me. Don't save the Ninevites. And if you do, then take my life. I don't want to be alive if you save them. He's constantly in a place where he doesn't feel worthy. But I love that in Jonah chapter 2, at his final moments of life, or what could have been the end of his life, he finally throws out a desperate prayer to God. And in Jonah chapter 2, that's not even the desperate prayer. Jonah chapter 2 tells us in his prayer, he's talking to God, and he's talking about a prayer as he was sinking in the ocean. Jonah's sinking, he doesn't have much time left, and he gives out this prayer to God. And this prayer is desperate. I think one of the enemy's greatest tactics, especially for this generation now, is if he can convince you that you're not worthy to approach God, then you won't feel like you can approach God. But if we would excuse me for being a little harsh, I'm speaking to myself, if I would get it through my thick skull that God wants to have fellowship with me, then let me tell you, church, that opens up a whole world of possibilities, a whole world of incredible spiritual opportunity. We as believers need to understand that we can approach a holy, good, gracious, strong, mighty God. You're able to because of what Jesus did on the cross for you. You haven't gone too far. You haven't sunk too low. You're not too far out of reach. It's not too late because there is a God that is strong enough to snatch you from the clutches of death and bring your broken lost, fearful, shame-ridden, guilty, hopeless heart back to life. Someone say God is good. God is good. Even when you don't feel worthy, he'll still listen to your prayer. He still hears your prayers. 
Have you ever noticed that there's something missing in Jonah's prayer in chapter 2? Did anybody catch that? What is he missing in his prayer? Repentance. He never repents. He never, in this prayer in Jonah chapter 2, he never cries out to God and says, God, I'm sorry. What I've done is wrong. Please forgive me. All of those things are absent in this prayer. We're talking about a rebellious prophet. And God still hears and answers his prayer. So if I could just give you some encouragement today, it is this. You may not feel worthy enough to approach God in prayer, but God's ear is always attentive to his people. Someone say, that's good. That's good. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18 says, So the Lord must wait for you to come to him so he can show you his love and compassion. I love this. This is telling me that God is ready to show love and compassion, but we've got to go to him. We've got to go to him in prayer. For the Lord is a faithful God. Even if you're faithless, he is faithful. Blessed are those who wait for his help. O people of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. Underline this. He will be gracious if you ask for help. He will surely respond to the sound of your cries. This is a Isaiah. He's, he's another prophet, another one of God's prophets. And this is what he tells Isaiah to say. We've got to remember the prophets in the Old Testament they are there because God and his people, Israel, entered into a covenant relationship. And Israel constantly failed on their end of the covenant relationship. They were constantly going back on what they had promised to do. And they were constantly going against God's laws, God's words. And so God would send prophets to rebuke the people, to announce punishment, but Every time he sent a prophet, they always had a good news of hope that there was opportunity for them to mend this broken relationship and this, relation, this covenant relationship to be restored into unity and health. And this is what he's saying through his prophet Isaiah. He's saying this, you've messed up, but if you will cry to me, I will still hear you. I will surely help you in your desperation. Wow, he is so good. He is so good. Please hear me. It's not God's plan to watch you grovel in misery and to be destroyed. Check this out in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. It says, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think he is. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. It is the desire of God that we repent, that we change our minds about our way of living, and that we come back to God in prayer. He's not just hoping you do it. It's his desire that you do it. It's his desire. So even if you think you're too far gone, even if you think you are not worthy enough to go to God in prayer. I, I, again, all I want to do today is encourage you to pray. Just pray. He wants to hear your prayers. He's attentive to your cries. Even a desperate prayer, he will listen to. 
So pray even when you don't feel worthy. Here's point number two. Pray when you don't feel like you can. Pray when you don't feel like you can. Or maybe I can even put it another way. Pray when you don't feel like it. Let's be honest. Sometimes there's moments, sometimes life gets so heavy that we just want to curl up in your bed and go to sleep. You don't want to curl up in your bed and go to sleep. You, you don't want to put forth any mental fortitude to, to change anything or for anything to happen. You just want to go to sleep sometimes and, and just forget about everything that's going on around you. Can I encourage you to push through that in prayer? Because God is a God that will listen to a desperate prayer, but he is also attentive in every moment of life. Think about this. Here's Jonah. He has been disobedient. He went out on a ship. A big storm came. He was thrown overboard. He's sinking down into the Mediterranean Sea, and the man is supposed to be in Nineveh. And his body is, is sinking lower and lower and lower. And as he sinks, in desperation, he cries out to God. From the bottom of the Mediterranean Sea, Let me just tell you, there is no place that your prayer cannot reach the ears of God. There is no place where God cannot see you, where he doesn't know where you are. And I love uh, what the psalmist wrote. Uh, Let me see if I can find it here. Psalm chapter 139, verse 7 through 12. He says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven... You are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the furthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me, and I could ask the light around me to become night, but even in darkness I cannot hide from you. To you the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. Wow! If that doesn't give you hope, I don't know what will. We serve a God that even darkness is light to him. He, he, he can see right into the, the darkest, deepest, most secluded moments of your life. And even there, his hand is not too short to reach you. <laughs> I like this. Uh, Jonah, let, let me show you just for a second how far he had to go, just how low he went. If you look through the book of Jonah, in Jonah chapter 1, God tells Jonah to get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. It says that he went down to the port of Joppa. He gets to the port, and he goes down to the ship. He gets on the ship and goes down into the hold of the ship. Now that he's down in the ship, he lays down on a pillow. After that, he gets thrown into the ocean, and he sinks down into the ocean. And look what he says. He says, you threw me into the ocean depths as I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Verse 5 says, I sank beneath the waves, and the waters closed over me. Verse 6 says, I sank down to the very roots of the mountain. And, and this, this is 
this is beautiful uh, literature here. It's, it's absolutely beautiful and poetic in the way that we see God tells Jonah, get up and go. But all through chapters 1 and 2, we see Jonah is constantly going down, 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 down. And just when you think he can't get any lower, he gets thrown overboard and keeps going down, 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 down. And I think it's incredible. He says, I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. That is, this is ancient Hebrew poetry right here. And that is incredible. Like this man had a way with words. Usually whenever we talk about mountains, what are we talking about? Something that's high. Jonah uses mountains to tell us how low he was. Like, that's good poetry right there. Let's just, let's just go ahead and say that. Jonah was good with words. He says, I have sank down to the roots of the mountains. That's pretty low. Shows just how low he was. He says, I was imprisoned in the earth. In the earth. It's pretty low. But I think it's hilarious what he says next. Are you ready for this? Again, we got to take a step back from what we know about the book of Jonah and look at it with some fresh eyes. He says this in verse 6, I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. Take a moment, look at verse 1. It says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. This prayer was as he was inside the fish. And what he says is, God, you have snatched me from the jaws of death. He's inside of a fish. He has been swallowed by Moby Dick's great-great-great-great-grandfather. He is going through the digestive system of Shamu. And his prayer is, God, you have snatched me from the jaws of death. Again, you got to take a step back to look at this. This is good stuff. And notice this. Notice this. He's inside the fish. And his prayer is a prayer of praise to God. Think about that. How low in life do you have to go that you consider being eaten by a sea monster a blessing? Like, I can just imagine... Dustin, I can imagine you get on a, a boat and you're going fishing. You're with Jonah. You, you're in a small rowboat and you get out in the middle of the lake, right? And you're, you're casting out, you know, for a catch. And, and you get a bite and so you start to reel it in. And, you know, you, you stand up in your excitement and you're reeling it. Oh, this is going to be a good one. This is going to be a good one. And Jonah's over there. He's be like, oh, man, keep reeling. I'll get the net. And, you know, he, he gets the net and, you know, he's waiting on you. And as the fish comes up, you know, Jonah's leaning over the boat to to get the fish, and you're leaning over the boat, reeling it in, and it's a small boat, and so it just capsizes, right? And at that moment, just this large lake monster comes up and just whoop, eats you and Jonah. I can imagine being eaten. I'm on Wright Patman Lake, and I've just been swallowed by something massive. 
And I'm just thinking, oh my goodness, this is the worst. I'm going to die here. My life is done. It's over. This is, this is how it all ends. I can imagine, you know, you're, you're sitting there, you know, in the, the belly of this fish, and you're like, Jonah, are you still alive? Jonah's like, yeah, I'm good. Jonah, are you not a little bit freaked out right now? Ah, man, I've seen worse. Like, yeah, I can just imagine Jonah. He's in the belly of the fish, and he's like, God, you've snatched me away from death. This is great. This is awesome. Like, I've been down at the bottom of the Mediterranean Sea with my head wrapped in seaweed. This ain't that bad. This is, this is pretty good in here. I mean, I can maybe eat some of the squid that this whale is, is uh, bringing in, you know. Like, I can make a living in here. <laughs> Listen, church, there is no place too low, too far out of reach that God cannot save you. Here's Jonah at the bottom. He, he says, I sank down to the roots of the mountain, and he says this. He says, my head was wrapped in seaweed. And I, this is, it, again, it's, it's poetry, but he's telling us in this poetic prayer that he was so low that not only was he at the bottom of the ocean, but he wasn't on his feet at the bottom of the ocean. He didn't say my feet are wrapped in seaweed. He said, my head is wrapped in seaweed. He's that far down, and God saves him. God saves him. I don't know how low you've been in life, but I can't imagine that it was any lower than Jonah <laughs> in this moment. But even in that moment, he finds a way to praise God and to be thankful. So here's Jonah. He's this guy that's kind of messed up. But in this moment, he gives this prayer of praise. And that shows just how good and just how strong our God is. That even for someone messed up like me, that God would reach down to the lowest of lows and snatch me from the jaws of death. He is a good, good God. You may not feel worthy to pray. You may not feel like you have the ability or the possibility to pray because maybe God can't reach me here. But I want to show you, there is no demon in hell that can stop you from praying. Mark chapter 5. You can turn there if you want. We're going to stay in Jonah 2, but if you want to, you can turn to Mark chapter 5. We'll have it up on the screen. Verse 1 through 6. This is incredible. So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, they had just arrived, and when Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit, a demonic spirit, came out from the tombs to meet him. And Mark gives us some detail of, of this man and just how bad his possession was. Verse 3, it says, this man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained even with a chain. When he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. 
No one was strong enough to subdue him. That's a pretty big dude. He's pretty strong. They're saying, man, we, we, we would come and he'd be asleep at night. And we'd sneak in there and we'd chain him up because he would just terrorize people that were going to visit the graveyards. So we, we would go in there and we'd chain him up. And the next morning, boom, bust right out of him, smash the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue. This is the, this is the biggest, strongest man in the Gerasenes. And Mark tells us this in verse 5. Not only was he the biggest and strongest, but day and night he wandered through the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. So we see, and if you read on in Mark chapter 5, Jesus actually has a conversation with this demonic spirit, and the demonic spirit says, we are many. In other words, this man is, is possessed, really bad possessed. He's big, he's strong, no one can subdue him, but for some reason these demonic spirits have been able to, to talk him into being under their power. But I want to show you this. I want everybody here, if you could, just for one moment, to see this. It says in verse 6, when Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw Jesus, ran to meet him, and bowed before him. This is a fantastic story because Mark shows us just how strong the man was. And even in his strength, the demonic possession was even stronger over his, over his body and in his life. But even that demonic possession could not keep that man from running to Jesus and falling down at his feet and worshiping him. So can I tell you today, there is no demon in hell that can keep you from running to God in prayer. There is no strength, no force, nothing that can stop you from going to our God. So why do we? Why do we give up on our prayers, church? Why do we get discouraged when we don't have an answer right away? Why do we feel that we've gone too low or we've, we've been too bad or, or we've said too much that we can't go back to God in prayer? Can I encourage you today? Just pray. Just pray. I think there's a, a lot of a lot of, and I believe there are demonic voices that will say, well, you know, you've you got to pray a certain way. You know, you've got to be in a certain place. You've got to, to say certain words. But I want you to notice this. Jonah is in a fish. He's in a fish. He can't control how bright or how dim the lights are. He can't control whether there's music playing or not music playing. He can't control whether he's standing up or sitting down. It doesn't matter if he crosses his heart or eats a certain meal or takes off his ball cap. None of these things matter. In that moment, he's in a whale or he's in a fish, as the Hebrew says. He's in a great fish, and he still can pray. And God still hears him. And God still answers his prayer. 
Can I be, and this, this may not be right, I don't know, I may be wrong for this. If you know better, then come and tell me. But I would go so far as to say, listen, your prayer doesn't even have to be 100% theologically accurate. God knows, God understands, and God cares about his people. He will hear you when you pray. He will hear you when you pray. Don't let any voice, don't let any temptation keep you from going to God in prayer. If you are alive and you have breath in your lungs today, you can pray. You can pray. He's so good. So pray when you don't feel worthy. Pray when you don't think you can. Here's point number three. Pray with faith. Pray with faith. There's another story. People that were in a plane. And the pilot comes out of the cockpit. And he's frantic. He's freaking out. And the passengers on the plane, obviously, they know something's not quite right. And the, the pilot, he's almost out of breath. And he gets in front of all the people. They're all sitting in their seats and looking at the pilot. And the pilot says, I've got bad news. All of our engines are failing. This plane is going to crash. Does anybody in here believe in the power of prayer? One man stood up. He said, I do. I believe in the power of prayer. The pilot says, good. Because we only have enough parachutes for everybody in here except for one. You laugh because it's funny, because at that moment, and, and I laugh too, because in that moment you're like, you know, yeah, I, I believe in prayer, but I better have a parachute too, just in case, right? Can I encourage you today, church, we are called believers for a reason. <laughs> we should believe in our God. We, whenever we pray, our prayer shouldn't just be just this half-hearted, flippant, you know, I, I've, I've got to, to do my religious duty type of thing. But whenever we pray, we should be so full of faith that the demons start to tremble and they start coming to you and start trying to speak to you and, and give you little lies in your ear and in your head. But we need to be able to push through that, push past that and say, you know what? No, I'm going to stand in faith when I pray. My prayers are going to be so full of faith that heaven's just going to explode with growth in the kingdom of God and hell's just going to be plundered. Come on, church. We need to have faith. We need to have faith that God will do what he says he will do. Whenever we pray, we need to pray with faith. And I love this. This is one thing. Jonah, as messed up as he was, this man in Jonah chapter 2, he had faith. I want you to look at this in, in verse 2. He says, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. want to remind you real quick, he is in a fish. Just in case you forgot, he's in a fish. Things did not go so well at SeaWorld when Free Willy swallowed Jonah, right? He's in a fish. 
And he prays and he says, I called out to the Lord in my great trouble. And Lord, you heard me. You answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead. And Lord, you heard me. Why is he saying this? He's in a fish. I believe it's because he had faith. He had faith that as he was sinking down and his head was wrapped in seaweed and God sent that giant fish to swallow him up. He's saying, you know what? I could have died on the ocean floor, but I'm still here. And since I'm still here, I'm still going to have faith. Verse 4, he says, Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence, yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. I will. I will. Verse 9, he says, But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. I don't know if you've ever been in a place of desperation before, but listen, sometimes a desperate place can be the best place that we could be. Because then it's, we have no other options. At least whenever Jonah was on the boat, he had some hope that maybe if they lighten the load of the ship, or maybe if they turn the sail a certain way, or maybe if they were able to, to as Paul did with, uh, with, as he was a prisoner on his way to Rome, and they, they took ropes and wrapped it around the hull of the ship to keep it together. Maybe there's some way that we can get out of this storm. At least in the boat, Jonah had some sort of hope that maybe he could find his way out of this storm. But whenever he's at the bottom of the ocean, that's it, y'all. If we were to read chapter 1 and get through verse 17, now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside of the fish. We would say, man, that was a tragic story for Jonah. Right? We would assume that that was the end. But I love Jonah's attitude here. As long as I'm still breathing, there's hope. I may have gone the wrong way. I may have done the wrong thing. I may not feel worthy. I may feel out of reach and out of touch with God. But as long as I'm still breathing, there is hope. And I will pray. And not only will I pray, but I'm going to have faith and believe when I pray. Matthew chapter 21, verse 22. I love this verse, and it's powerful. It says, you can pray for anything. And if you have faith, you will receive it. Go ahead and just circle that right there in your Bible. That's a good one to remember. As a believer, we need to remember that if we have faith, God will answer our prayers. You didn't hear it from me. You heard it from Brother Matthew. So as the worship team would come on up, I want to close with this. The book of Jonah, it teaches us a lot of things, more than just disobedience and obedience. I think we've kind of summarized all four of these chapters up to, to learning that we need to be obedient to God, but there's so much more here, church. There's so much more. We can learn from this, that even whenever we pray out of desperation, God still hears, and even when we think we're too far gone, we haven't gone too far that he won't hear us. And when we pray with faith, God answers your prayer doesn't have to be professionally orated. You don't have to be in a certain place. Your prayer doesn't even have to be an hour long. I think a lot of times we, 
we get this idea in, in church or in Christian circles that if we pray, you know, oh, I've got to pray for 30 minutes today. I've got to pray for an hour today. I love what, what Smith Wigglesworth says. He, this is a quote from Smith Wigglesworth. He says, I don't often spend more than half an hour in prayer at one time, but I never go more than half an hour without praying. Y'all, that's beautiful. And if we could just adop- adopt that mentality, like I don't have to pray a certain way, I just need to pray. And I, I just need to make sure that I'm going back to the source. I'm going back to the presence of God and communicating with the Savior of the world. Jonah says, listen, my salvation comes from no one but the Lord. Church, we have a good God. A God that's ready to reach down, a God that's ready to save, a God that's ready to heal and deliver and transform. And it doesn't matter how sick your heart is. It doesn't matter how rebellious you've been. It doesn't matter where you've gone. It doesn't matter what depths you found yourself in. He is ready to hear and answer the prayer of the believer that prays with faith. Anytime, anywhere, anyway, just pray. If you would stand up to your feet as we worship, I want to encourage you this morning as we worship to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? Because again, we we can read the Bible and be so familiar with it that we don't even lean on the Holy Spirit to speak to us through it anymore. But if you're a believer in this place, if you've been filled with God's Holy Spirit, then he wants to speak to you. And he wants to hear from you. It's that whole thing is called prayer. We speak to God and he speaks to us. So let that be your prayer this morning. Holy Spirit, what are you trying to say to me through this? And I don't know what your situation may be. You may feel that you are in a desperate moment in your life and you feel so far removed from the presence of God. Just like Jonah, he, he says, I, I've, just, I've been cut off from your presence, God. I've, I feel like I'm at the, the depths of the Mediterranean Sea and I don't feel your presence anywhere around me. But I know that I will look again to your holy temple. I know that I will once again be in the presence of God. I don't know if you're in that moment of desperation, but let that be your prayer today. God, I love you, and I'm desperate, but I know that you're here, that you're ready, and that you're willing to speak to my heart this morning. And maybe you don't find yourself in that moment of desperation. Maybe you, maybe you feel like you're one of the sailors on the boat and you just tossed Jonah overboard and everything got calm all of a sudden. But guess what even the sailors did? They recognized the presence of the Lord in that situation. And it says they offered sacrifice to Jonah's God. So whether you're desperate or whether you feel like life is going great, can I encourage you today to pour out your heart to God in prayer and let him speak to you. He wants to. He wants to. So as we worship today, let that be your prayer. I know in a few minutes we'll ask the, our prayer team here at the church to come up. And if you need prayer for anything, then at that moment we want to invite you to come. And whenever we pray today, if I could give us one more last piece of instruction. Whenever we pray today, remind yourself before you pray that our God 
is mighty, that he is strong, that he wants to hear your prayers, and that he wants to act on your behalf. What would change, church, if we made up our minds that God wants us to come to him in prayer and that God wants to answer? How would you change? I'm sorry, I don't mean to keep preaching, but would you change your life? Would you change the way that you prayed if you knew that you could pull out your phone and FaceTime Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm desperate today. Jesus, I need you today. God, I've got problems. God, I've got issues. God, I need your presence. I feel so far removed. Would your prayer change if you could FaceTime God? I think a lot of times we get this mentality that God might just hear our prayers if we pray it a certain way or if we do it a certain time or or say a certain thing, but can I remind you today, any prayer that you give to God, He will hear. And if you pray a prayer of faith, His heart wants and desires to answer your prayer. So today, as we pray, don't just pray out of some religious duty, but pray with a heart of faith that God is in this moment, in this place with his people, and he's ready to move. Amen. Let's worship. Hallelujah.